You're listening to Singleness, Sex, and Dating with Perry Noble. You can connect with Perry and read more of his thoughts on relationships at perrynoble.com. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the December edition of the Singleness, Sex, and Dating podcast with Perry Noble. December is one of the most exciting times of the year because of Christmas. And Christmas is way different in Australia, right? It is. It's very hot. It's so hot. A lot of people there. go surf at Christmas. They surf, they put shrimp on the barbie, they dress up Santa and swimmers, all that stuff. And sweat? Swimmers. Swimmers? Togs. Togs? Togs. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. That's awesome. Oftentimes, Christmas highlights our relationships or lack thereof and can make the holidays quite awkward or painful for some people. So, with that in mind, Pastor P, Stephen from California asked you this question. California love. He says, I frequently get asked, when are you going to start dating? And even at times get made fun of by some family members for being single. I'm in a point in my life where I know God has called me to serve my church community and be single, but at times I find myself really upset and frustrated because of the hassle that being single has brought me. How do I deal with my family when they ask me, when are you going to start dating someone? Um, Stephen, great question. I know so many singles that are caught up in that particular tension, and, and the best way to answer them is I'll start dating someone when the Lord makes it obvious. And I know that sounds like a cop-out answer, but a lot of people, um, uh, they're, n- number one, they're insecure in their own marriage. And a lot of times when people are insecure in their own marriage, they will try to put pressure on you to get married um, because they want you to be insecure too. They want you to share mm. in their misery. Um, wow. And so a lot of times when you get that pressure, um, and then a lot of times it's, it's people just don't, I mean, they think something's wrong with you if you're not um, married by 18, birthing babies by 21. And reality is, statistics show people are getting married later. Um, and so it's okay. It doesn't mean you have a disease. Singleness is not a sickness. We talk mm-hmm. about that all the time. Um, it's it's a season where God prepares you. And so God's just preparing you in this season. So when your family says, when are you, ma- you going to get married? You can just say, well, I, you know, I would get married, but God, Uncle Tom, if mm-hmm. I married... Um, somebody like you're married to, I'd be as miserable as you. So I just don't think it's, I just don't think I should get married right now. I think it's funny, Stephen, that we all have those nosy aunties or nagging grandmas that want to set us up with people. I think we all have, have at least one in every single family. So has anybody set you up? Has your auntie or your grandmother uh, ever set you up on a date? Well, they've tried to, but I wouldn't trust the judge of character necessarily. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I understand. So you're in good company there, Stephen. Yep. Question number two is from Dorsey from New York. New Dorsey. York. I wonder if that's in the northern Dorsey. accent. Dorsey. Maybe Dorsey. her name's Darcy and she just says Dorsey. No, it's Dorsey. D-O-R-S-E-Y. Dorsey. <laughs> Anyways, Dorsey from New York asks. Do you know where New York is? Yeah, it's okay. up the top. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, she asks, how do you know when it is the right time to ask the woman? Wait, it's a, it's a guy. You just caught that. You just caught that. So he, he asks, we don't, we're not editing this. How do you know when it is the right time to ask the woman that you like to take the relationship to the next level? You, man, it's, it's just called investment. It's called investment. You invest time, you invest time, you invest time. And the thing that, the thing that happens a lot of times with guys is, um, women are way more emotional than, than men for the most part. So it takes women usually longer to connect with a guy mm. than it does wow. for a guy because a guy can just i like you and i've got this great feeling and it's more infatuation and i just really really like you 
And so the guy begins to put pressure on the girl, and the girl is emotionally not ready to commit. Um, she likes him. She likes hanging out with him. She likes going to dinner with him. But she just feels this constant pressure of um, he'll say things like, well, I feel like I like you more than you like me, and that's, that's true. But if, if you'll just slow down and be patient um, and then take it, you know, take it slowly, take mm-hmm. it patiently, respect her as a person, respect her boundaries, um, it'll go well. Yeah, it'll that's go, it'll go well. Just just don't let your emotion drive the decision and don't feel like just because she doesn't feel as connected with you, it just takes a woman longer usually to to feel that connection. That's great. Very true. Question number three is from Robert in South Carolina and he asks what do you think about large age differences in dating and marriage? I seem to get along best with women much younger than I am. Robert, it, it depends. Um, it, it depends. You know, uh, I know um, 40-year-olds that have married 30-year-olds, and it, it's worked. I mean, it's worked. Um, but then that wouldn't work if that was a 20-year-old and a 10-year-old. It's, it's mm-hmm. not age, it's maturity. Wow, um, that's good. And, and so... Uh, I, I just, that's what I found. It's not age, it's maturity. I've seen people, I, I met with a couple one time, I think there was an 18 year age difference in their marriage. In, in, like in, the guy was 18 years older and they had a great marriage. I mean, they really, really wow. had a great marriage. Um, but that, I mean, it was, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how it's going to work out for him. I guess the dad gets, when the kid graduates high school, the dad can be the father and the grandfather at the same time. I guess that's a two for one deal, but I was just kidding. That was a joke. You totally didn't get that, did you? Mm-mm. Okay, it's okay. It's a, <laughs> Not really. Dorsey's a guy. Dorsey's a guy. And I think even on that, if if Robert was 40 and he's getting along with 20-year-olds, maybe instead of dating 20-year-olds, he can have the maturity level of a 40-year-old. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, the well, other he just thing, said that it's not age, no, it's maturity. So yeah. maybe he needs to be more mature in his own age. And it could be because we don't, we, don't we don't know Robert, but um, a lot of people... This is the thing about men and women that that's really, really, really dangerous. A lot of times, older men do get along with younger women, and I'm not against that in the dating scene, but a lot of times, older guys know they can manipulate younger yeah, women. Wow. So think back to high school, and the really, really, really hot freshman girls always got pursued by the senior guys because the senior guys knew they could manipulate the freshman girls. Mm. Um, same way in college. And so it, if, if pursuit is the goal, then age doesn't matter, matter. but if manipulation wow. is the goal, then, then it's, a, it's a big time problem. That's really good. Question number four from Anonymous writes, recently I was pursued by a great godly guy. After a few months of dating, he said that he just wasn't ready to commit. Maybe we were better as friends and he just didn't have that emotional spark with me that he has had in previous relationships. I believe that spark is sometimes lust or shallow infatuation. That was a big word. Do you agree or do you feel butterflies are necessary? I, I love butterflies. I think they're pretty. <laughs> they make life better. I'm just kidding. Um, anonymous, I, uh, here, here's the thing. You've got to have a spark. And it's not always butterflies. But... Um, I remember, I remember getting, uh, it's called a Dear John letter. You know what a Dear John letter is? There's a great movie called Dear John. Okay, I don't know what that is. A Dear John letter is a breakup letter. Oh, really? Yeah, so I got a breakup letter one time. Um, and I was going out, I'd gone out with this girl, uh, this is this is BC, before Crescia, 
and she was um, she was gorgeous, um, godly, loved Jesus from a great family, and we went out um, about uh, four or five times, and it was we had great dates, but I mean they weren't anything special, and uh, and the way she dumped me was a bit shady because I was on a mission trip, and on the okay. mission trip I got a letter going, hey I think you're a great guy, um, but. I, she said, there's just no romance in in our relationship. And I remember reading the letter going, she's right. She's right. There's no romance. And if you don't have that, I mean, there's got to be that initial spark, mm. you know. And, and, and so I was like, man, I felt okay with it. So if this is what he, he, he told you, I mean, I, I mean yeah, you're not always going to feel butterflies and warm fuzzies. You're not always going to feel like this is the most awesome person in the world. But there does have to be a general excitement in your demeanor mm. when the person walks in the room. That's that's pretty necessary, yeah, especially at the beginning. Excellent. Next question is question number five from Jordan in South Carolina. And he or she, because it is, you know, a gender neutral name. Says, yes, it is. If you're, like Dorsey. Like Dorsey. I've never heard that name before. I had no idea. If you're dating someone who truly loves the Lord and you end up committing sexual sin and then you both repent because of it, should you stay with this person or consider calling it quits? No, just listen. Just because you've made a mistake doesn't mean you have to be miserable for the rest of your life. If you're called to be each other, to be with each other, and you messed up sexually, um, it doesn't mean you need to end the relationship. It just it need, it means you need to place some very protective boundaries around yourself mm. um, and, and just not go there. Because if it continues to happen, and unfortunately that's the case in a lot of dating relationships, is that continues to happen. If it continues to happen, the relationship's going to move from focused on God to focused on how often can we get alone so we can sin together. Mm. Um, wow. And that's just not a great place to be. That's, that, nobody wants to be there. Nobody ever intends on being there. But if you don't put boundaries up and so... If you love someone, if you're both committed to Jesus and you made a mistake and you stepped over the line sexually, you know what? People do that. People do that all the time. But it doesn't mean you're disqualified. Repent mm. of sin. Get godly accountability. Find a, a godly couple or a godly man or a godly woman. Confess fully to them. Don't let this, And this is, this is so key, Stacey. Don't say, we've messed up. Don't say, we've crossed some lines. Don't say we've done some stuff we regret. No, you find somebody that you trust and you tell them, you know, hey, this is what we did and I'm sorry for it. You confess fully and that way you've got somebody that can step into your life and hold you truly accountable to how that relationship's going to go go on. Because I messed up may mean one thing in your mind and one thing in somebody else's mind, mm. but um, when you specifically confess sin, you open yourself up to the potential of healing unlike you've never experienced before. That's awesome. Yeah. And I love what you said about, yes, set boundaries, but have things in place that are going to help you adhere to those boundaries. For example, don't just say, we're never going to do it again, but actually implement things in your relationships that you set yourself up to not do it again, like the godly couple and yeah. confessing of sin. I think that's awesome. Well, the whole, th the, the we're never going to do it again is something that every guilty couple says to each other. And it's cheap. And it, and it really is. Cheap. We're never going to go, okay, we're never... And it, well, it brings temporary relief. Mm. And and there's there's a difference between repentance and temporary relief. Um, when we And when we truly move from seeking temporary relief to seeking repentance, God can heal that relationship. Wow. That's awesome. I love that. 
Next question is from Carol in South Carolina. And she asks, is it okay to date a man who is separated from their spouse for over a year and in the divorce process? A process that due to attorney complications may take a long time to finalize. No. No. And uh, you'll, you'll find other people that have different opinions. Um, but um, he's still married. And, you know, we, we've talked about divorce in our church. We just did a message on it. In fact, Carol, you um, can go back and listen to... Uh, um, Better Together. It was uh, the last week of our Better Together series, week seven, where I, I talked about divorce and I talked about it very openly. And um, But he's still a married man. And uh, you got to, listen, you've got to weigh that. And mm. it, what God says is greater than the way we feel. And so, um, yeah, I just, I, I, would, I would always advise no in that situation. And how is this, her waiting or her not dating, going to work out better for her in the long end? Well, um, first of all, if she's dating a married man um, and they're pursuing avenues, you know, possibly that they shouldn't pursue, that's just sin. Um, and so it's going to help her in her relationship with Jesus, uh, first of all. Um, second of all, Carol, and I hate to, hate to be this guy, but um, maybe God can save that dude's marriage, and maybe mm, you're the wow. thing in the way. Um, I watched somebody very close to me um, have an affair with this dude, um, a family member had an affair with a guy, and uh, the affair lasted for quite a while. And then I saw the affair end, the guy go back to his wife, um, and everybody said that relationship was done, and God actually healed that relationship wow. and kept them together. And so, um, Carol, maybe maybe God wants to reconcile the guy you're dating with the spouse, and and you're you could be the obstacle in the way of God doing an incredible miracle. Mm. Well, I haven't thought about it like that. That's awesome. Thank you for writing in, though, Carol. It's a great question. Next question is from Michael in Illinois. You know where Illinois is? In the middle. Yeah. Roughly. Roughly. What what state is it next to? Michigan. Yes. What? Are you serious? No. Oh, no, <laughs> I just took serious. a stab in the dark. It's close, though. There you go. I mean, they're, they're cousins. Uh, they're cousins. All right. He asks, anytime I pursue a girl, I get anxiety that it won't end well because I've been on the wrong side, the wrong end of a breakup and have an anxiety disorder. I have trouble avoiding thinking the worst, and I put relationships on a pedestal. I'm less stressed and a better person when I'm not pursuing a relationship. So how do you trust God when pursuing a woman, even when anxiety kicks in? If it's not fun, she's not the one. That's, I mean, that's, that's what I tell people all the time. If, when it becomes too much work, it's, it's just not worth it. Now, I'm not saying that to married people. Married people, it's, it's work. But in the pursuit stage of the relationship... If you get anxiety and stressed and freaked out and worried all the time, they're probably not the one because you're going to carry that into your marriage. And so if you can't have fun with them, um, your your marriage is going to be really boring or it's going to really suck or it's going to be full of a lot of fighting. And so I understand about, and Michael, I understand about anxiety. Um, I, I, had a, I had a streak going like, 27 turndowns in a row. I mean, when I was asking girls out, I mean, it was like a sport in my high school. You could let her in it. But, I, you know, eventually you just kind of get through that and you, you find out where your security lies and your security is in Christ. If your security is in Christ, eventually you'll find somebody 
that you don't have to force. That's the other thing. Mm -hmm. You don't have to force a relationship. It happens. And when that happens, man, that's, that's what you're looking for. So don't feel the, the pressure you're, I would say, Michael, you're putting a lot of pressure and anxiety on yourself. Mm. Just relax, have fun, go to dinner. And remember when you go to dinner, it's just dinner. You can go to dinner about three times before you really start to figure out things. And so just, I mean, those are just some things to consider and think about. Yeah. It's very wise. Yeah. It's wise. really wise. Wise words. <laughs> well, we have a little bit of extra time. So I'm going to ask you this, Pastor P. Okay. How many years have you been married for? 15. And what is the most recent lesson that you've been learning from your marriage with Lucretia? Um, the more I will give myself away, the better my marriage will be. Marriage isn't about what, what I can get out of another person. Marriage is about what I can offer. Um, mm. And that's, that's where most marriages go wrong. That's where they hit a wall. Um, the, the couple goes in, and we're all, and this, isn't, this is because we're human. We go into marriage thinking, what can I get out of this person? So the, girl, the guy goes in thinking, I'm going to get a lot of sex. The girl goes in thinking, he's always going to make me feel beautiful and special. And um, that, that happens pretty consistently for about 36 hours. And then after about 36 hours, like, um, you, you, you know, things go wrong. The, the, the guy doesn't always get sex, and the woman doesn't always feel beautiful and special. Mm. Um, and if that's the reason they go into the marriage, that's the reason the marriage will fall apart. Wow. But when you view your marriage as an opportunity to serve, um, it, it goes, it, in fact, it, it's, it's even beyond this. Um, one of the things I've been learning just lately, and this is going to be in a, in a marriage book that I write in, a, in about a year, another year, is um, you don't love your spouse out of a desire to get a response from them. You love your spouse out of the overflow that Jesus wow. is doing in your own heart. That way, if I tell Lucretia, I love you, and she doesn't say, I love you, it doesn't matter. Mm. It doesn't matter because I'm loving her out of the overflow. That way, if I do something nice for Lucretia and she doesn't say thank you. Now, let me pause. She, she, she always says thank you. She really does. But every, occasionally, she won't say thank you. She's a human being. She's focused on other things or whatever. But if I do something for her and she don't say thank you, um, my, my identity is not in my insecurity. And so because of that, I can go, you know what? I'm loving her out of the overflow. If I... Um, if I run by the grocery store and pick up something for, for her um, and kind of take an errand off of her plate, I'm not expecting anything from her that night. A lot of guys do things with expectation and anticipation, but if we begin to really love and serve our spouse and we love them the way that Jesus loves us, man, that, that is a setup for an excellent, excellent marriage. That's awesome. And uh, I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Love hearing that. Any final thoughts, Pastor P, before we close out this podcast? Uh, this is the December podcast, so Merry Christmas. For those of you going to Christmas parties as um, you don't have a date, um, don't worry about it. Have a lot of fun. Um, make a lot of to-go plates so you don't have to yeah. cook. Yeah, just That's do that. That's a great that. idea. Yeah, it is. Well, I, I, I was single for 28 years. This, that was my <laughs> life. That's what I did. Um, and, and just enjoy this season. Um, and have a great time, and then tune back in in 2016. Woohoo! For the can't wait. Yeah, 2016 is going to be awesome. Lots of great things coming in 2016 on this podcast in particular. Um, it's when we're going to release the book in 2016. Right. Can't wait to tell you more about that. 
So I hope everybody has a great, great Christmas and a happy new year. That's right. And don't forget, you can continue to submit your questions on Perry's website at perrynoble.com forward slash ask. And like Pastor P just said, we hope you have a wonderful Christmas and we'll be back in 2016.